0: Welcome to Pound the Rock, the Scores NBA podcast. My name is Joseph Kasharo, and today's episode is presented by Volkswagen. Whatever your definition of family is, there's an SUVW that suits it. And unfortunately, uh, Game 1 of the NBA Finals did not suit the Miami Heat joined as always now by fellow co-host Joe Wolfman. Yo. And we're going to talk about that game one and the finals not suiting the Miami Heat right now. The final ends up being 116-98 Lakers. Miami went up 13 early in this one and yet didn't even come out of the first quarter with the lead. The Lakers went up 33 at one point. So a 45 point swing, sorry, a 46 point swing. Um, The game was over by halftime basically. And as if that's not bad enough, what's really kind of making this whole thing seem anticlimactic so far is that Goran Dragić suffers a plantar tear in his foot. He's saying he, you know, he thinks he can make it back at some point later in the series. Bam Adebayo suffers a left shoulder injury, I believe, and did not return to the game. We don't know his status for the rest of the series. Jimmy Butler finished the game, even checked back into it with the heat down, I think 17 in the final few minutes, but also rolled his foot, his ankle twice in the game and was hobbling for much of it. So can you find a single sliver of hope for Miami and for like any neutral fans that thought we might get a competitive series? Because I mean, we were talking off air and I was only half joking and saying like, well, it was a fun finals for like 15 minutes, but the jam's done.
1: (laughs) Well, I think both... Chris Haynes and Woj have reported that Dragic is hopeful that he will be able to make it back at some point in the series. And that may be contingent on how long the series actually goes, which uh, I don't know. I mean, if Dragic can't play in, say, games two, three, or four, then it might not get to a game five. I think it's hard to overstate... How important he's been to Miami's success because postseason. I think he's been, you know, probably their best shot maker in the playoffs. Their best, honestly, pick and roll initiator, like him and Bam in the pick and roll has been such a staple of their offense. They really rely on his dribble penetration and like his ability to collapse a defense. And without that, I think their offense is really going to (laughs) struggle. Their offense really, really struggled in this game. You talked about them being up 13 points early. The landslide really started when him and Bam came out of the game with like five minutes left in the first quarter. And it was pretty much all downhill from there. Obviously Bam shoulder. We don't know what's going on with that. uh, And whether a, he's going to be able to play B, whether it's going to hamper him to the point that his effectiveness is limited. And with Butler as well, I mean, He's as tough as they come. I have no doubt that he's going to play through whatever he's feeling in that ankle. But it did seem like as the game wore on, he got more and more hesitant, less aggressive, less engaged. And, you know, one thing that I thought was a big problem for Miami was they were just conceding these really low resistance switches to LeBron, allowing guys like Robinson and Hero to get switched onto him without really offering a whole lot of resistance. And part of that, I think, was Butler feeling something in that ankle maybe to the point that he didn't necessarily want to or didn't feel like he was able to fight through those screams and stay attached to LeBron so yeah I mean this was about as bad and as disastrous a game one I think as possibly could have befallen the Miami Heat like there's no positive way to spin this and quite honestly if those injuries hadn't happened like if Miami is fully healthy going into game two I think there would have been a lot of stuff where I could say, look, you know, the Lakers shot the ball unsustainably well. There are definitely some defensive tweaks that Miami can make. And and moving forward, you know, this can still be a competitive series. But given the way this game went and given the injuries that Miami now seems to be dealing with, it's, it's tough to find optimism, honestly. Like, again, like it, this couldn't have gone much worse for the Heat.
0: Yeah. And in that great early start, you mentioned how much of it was Dragic and Bam and and how Miami started struggling when those guys left the game. Dragic, for all the positives you mentioned that he brings to this team, he he was their leading scorer. He's been their leading scorer in these playoffs. You mentioned a couple episodes ago how he's rediscovered this burst and this quick first step and it's allowing him to beat pretty good defensive guards on the other end throughout these playoffs. A lot of times that's what gives Miami the advantage that starts these beautiful possessions, right? Like we talk so much about BAM's playmaking and Miami's overall movement of ball and movement off the ball and they're passing and they're cutting and they're shooting, but so much of that starts, and especially in these playoffs, because Goran Drag is beating someone at the point of attack, and they're getting the opposing defense moving, and then the ball's moving and guys are moving, and you take that out, and obviously, yeah, they still have weapons, but you take that out, and Bam's not 100%, and Jimmy's not 100%, like, man, they're just, they're already outgunned against this Lakers team, and it just makes it so hard. The other point I think you brought up about how the Heat were conceding some of these switches, and Butler especially was conceding switches way too easily against LeBron. You know, I thought early in the game in that first quarter when Miami was playing well, a couple times, those switches, it was great because... Bam ended up on LeBron and did a phenomenal job for a couple of possessions. One of them, LeBron hits a step back early in the game. That's what they were doing, which was obviously the plan. And it worked. Bam was guarding LeBron and Jimmy Butler was doing a great job on Dwight Howard in the post when those switches wrapped. But then throughout the game, all of a sudden, you start actually conceding switches when it's like Duncan Robinson or one of those weak spots on that end. And it didn't really make much sense. And I don't really know what the thought process was there. And if maybe, maybe it just was that Jimmy Butler like wasn't, confident enough in his foot and his ankle, didn't have really the burst to try to stay with Braun. I don't know, but there are some major question marks here now with all these injuries. And one thing I didn't think I'd see happen to this Heat team is they would ever like get punked in a way. And I know it's not fair because of all the injuries, but for a large portion of that second half, the Lakers were bullying them. The Heat looked outrageously small compared to the Lakers. It was way too small. They were outgunned. The Lakers were yelling in their faces. It was jarring to see this Miami team look that helpless because if there's one thing this Heat team has been, it's scrappy and grimy. They've been the bullies. So to see them get bullied like that and, and really just have no response whatsoever was pretty jarring and pretty disappointing for people who want to see a competitive series.
1: I think the Lakers deserve a lot of credit, especially defensively. I mean, offensively, they were great too, but I do think a lot of that came down to shot making that I, I, again i'm not sure is going to be sustainable especially from their role players and for like the competitive portion of this game they were 13 for 22 from three they wound up 15 for 38 basically because they just started missing shots in garbage time and kind of just stopped playing but it, it essentially like through the first three quarters they were shooting 60 percent from deep and Everyone from you know, KCP to Marquise Morris to Rondo to Danny Green were just bombing away and hitting shots. And the thing is, like Miami's defensive strategy was to do whatever it could to limit AD and LeBron and pack the paint and make LA a jump shooting team, which they didn't really do so effectively against AD. And he's just a problem that I don't know if they necessarily have a solution for, but they did a pretty good job of limiting LeBron on an individual level through the first three quarters. But it just doesn't matter if the guys around them are knocking down shots. And, you know, part of it too, they're conceding those bad switches that we're talking about. And I think maybe part of the strategy was, okay, we're not going to fight those switches, but we're going to send these like late double teams. But they weren't actually sending late doubles. They were sending doubles with like 10 or 12 seconds on the clock. And that's just too easy for LeBron and the Lakers to pick apart. Like they do a really good job, first of all, I think relocating around the ball and cutting is a big thing with this team. Like they're not just standing around when there's a double team waiting for a kick out to the perimeter. Somebody is always cutting and that is always engaging a defender so that somebody else can relocate to the top and give LeBron a target. And whether that leads to like directly to an open three or to another swing to the corner that's producing an open three, I think they got 15 corner threes in this game. So you give them time on the clock to put the defense in rotation and they're going to find their way, I think to some open threes. And again, I don't necessarily think they're going to hit them as frequently as they did in this game, but I definitely think, you know, whatever Miami's injury situation is, they need to figure out a better defensive game plan. I think than they had in this one,
0: if someone had showed me the future back at the beginning of the season, when I was clowning KCP and showed me, this is going to be the post-game interview after game one of a Lakers win in the finals. And I don't know if you saw it or not. Anthony Davis is on court post-game interview. The first things he said was, KCP saved us. Because Caldwell Pope hit some big shots in that first quarter to kind of stem the tide when the Lakers were digging an early hole. If you had showed me the future and Anthony Davis was telling us that KCP even though we know a lot more went into it than that. But still, the fact that one of LeBron or AD was saying KCP saved us in game one of the friggin' finals would have blown my mind. But even, you know, you mentioned them kind of trying to like wall off the paint and how it worked individually against LeBron in terms of his own scoring, I guess. But even if you look at that first half, when LeBron had seven of his nine assists in the first half, I really don't think it worked in the sense that like he was still getting into the paint, you know? And maybe he wasn't shooting. Like maybe it worked in terms of them limiting his ability to finish in the paint, but he was still drawing and kicking and getting into the paint especially late in that first half he had a few assists like he had three assists in a very short window late in the second quarter where they it all stemmed from him getting in the paint again this was also after Jimmy Butler had rolled his ankle and and they weren't quite guarding him the same way but yeah even when they were limiting him individually I don't think it was that the Heat were doing anything well at that point I think it was just LeBron was making the right basketball play after getting where he wanted to be which was the paint
1: Yeah, and it was honestly kind of the same thing with AD. Like, it was just both of those guys really just drawing a ton of defensive attention and making the right passes. And AD, I thought, dealt with the double teams really well, which hasn't always been uh, a point of success for him in the past. But it was kind of the same thing where the Heat were willingly switching AD actions and getting smaller guys on him and having to bring instant double teams. And I don't know, in a way, they're just making life somewhat easy on him by doing that uh and i think like i said when we kind of did our preview i just think this is a series where they need to be trying a little bit harder to fight like underneath screens and maybe it's a blitz maybe it's a show and recover but just generally do a better job of fighting those unfavorable switches so they're not putting themselves in rotation every time down the floor. And at the other end of the floor, I mean I don't know what the the answer for Davis is. Like he was ridiculous this game, man. And he just blew up all the stuff, these like ornate screening actions and cutting and like all the stuff that Miami does that is just dance circles around every defense they've seen in the playoffs so far just wasn't really working against the Lakers. And so much of that was Davis just being in multiple places at once, closing space so quickly, and just his switchability, right? Like once they took Dwight out of the game and rolled with AD at the five, the Lakers were really switching pretty much everything. And I think, you know, there's this like kind of expression that we've heard so much throughout this this postseason. And a lot of teams have used it to talk about what Miami's defense has done to them. This is something that The Celtics talked about a lot uh, with Miami switching, saying that they were flattening them out. Like that's what the Lakers defense did to Miami was flatten them out. They did not allow them to kind of have all these like downhill rim runs and cuts, all the stuff that can kind of open up a defense. It just wasn't really happening. And I give a ton of credit to Davis, man. The guy has been so spectacular. And there's just not a whole lot else to say about it. Like he, he just took over this game
0: we've seen throughout lebron james's career even on great lebron led teams them completely capitulate when he goes to the bench that has not happened with the lakers team as often and the main reason for that is because when they win the lebronless minutes It's almost always because they've got a lineup with AD at the five, and no team has an answer for it. And that's what happened in game one. Again, they start big. Dwight looked like he was struggling, especially on the defensive end. He really it it was kind of like what we talked about. And I mentioned this in our preview as well. My concern with the Lakers going big in this series is that you can't just stash Dwight or JaVale on, you know, a corner shooter and think they don't have to move. Like the way Miami's offense is built. Like those guys need to move and that's not going to be easy. And even though AD was on Crowder and Dwight was on Bam, he still had to deal with a lot of like the handoffs and, and the runoffs that come off of Bam. It just, it looked potentially catastrophic for the Lakers. And then they go with AD at the five and that's when things turn around, even with LeBron on the bench. LeBron was a plus 10 in this game. The Lakers were still plus eight in the minutes he didn't play. Anthony Davis, on the other hand, they were plus 23 with him in the lineup. They were minus five in 10 minutes without him. And, you know, to Dwight Howard's credit, in the second half, he did a much better job. He used his size. He crashed the offensive glass. He made some really nice dump off passes when it looked like he was powering up for like a jam. And Dwight was fine in the second half. But in that first half, I think you saw how the Lakers will especially succeed in this series. And it's not when they go bid. It's in those minutes when AD's at the five. The Heat are too small for him anyway. But especially when Bam's not on the court, like you've got one of Solomon Hill, Andre Guadalla. Jay Crowder, maybe Derek Jones trying to guard Anthony Davis. And that is a fight you are never going to win. Especially if if Bam even misses like one game in this series, or if Bam's like at 50% capacity and he plays, man, it I think it will get ugly again because the advantage the Lakers have in Anthony Davis is going to be that sizable.
1: Yeah, like honestly, when when Dwight was in the game, the Heat were kind of just running pick and roll at him pretty much every time. And they had a lot of success with that. But At the same time, you know, the the Lakers counter for that is like they didn't do what the Celtics did, which was sort of stay home on Miami's corner shooters because they were just too afraid of leaving them to tag. And that got, bam, so many just free rolls to the rim. And the Lakers, you know, whether it's AD or LeBron, if one of those guys is guarding the corner, they're aggressive with the help coming over at the rim and they trust their ability to recover back out to shooters because those guys just can close space that quickly. So yeah, they're going to trust themselves to be able to help and recover in time. And if they don't, they're going to live with that, but they're not going to give up these just free lob dunks to bam. Uh, they saw what happened to the Celtics. So they were really prepared for whatever Miami wanted to do offensively. And they kind of just completely bottled up their offense. You know, at the other end, I'm, I'm a little surprised, I guess that we basically barely saw the heat go to zone at all. Like I remember specifically one possession where they were zoning up, and it wound up with with Jay Crowder, you know, zoning up Danny Green and Case K- Danny Green on the wing and KCP in the corner, and he got caught basically stunting toward Danny Green and then retreating, and Danny Green just ended up with a wide open above the break three that he canned. And aside from that, I don't remember really a specific instance of them going zone. Like I remember one like,
0: possession of it where it ended up with Derek Jones at the top of the zone and LeBron James getting into the middle of it very easily.
1: (laughs) So there you go. Um, I mean, I'm not saying that it's like the answer or anything like that, but as far as just throwing the Lakers out of rhythm a bit and being able to give them multiple different looks, find some way to make them think or make them adjust, because it seemed like everything just came a little bit too easy to the Lakers. Again, all this stuff we're talking about, honestly, might not matter at all because if Bam can't go or if Bam's at fifty percent and Jimmy's at seventy percent and Dragic is out, it's curtains, man. Like right. there's <laughs> all all the stuff we're talking about is just window dressing to a, a potential Lakers sweep or yeah. maybe a gentleman's sweep. Right. Like the Heat need those guys to be healthy. And and okay look if like if Dragic is out, but Bam is fine close to hundred percent and Jimmy is fine close to hundred percent, then I do still think, you know, the Heat have an outside chance. But even with just Dragic out, like that's a huge Huge blow, and um, I, you know, I, we saw what happened in this game when suddenly Tyler Hero was the guy who had to create for them, and especially Butler on that bad wheel. Like he just wasn't really able to carry that kind of an offensive load, as far as just being an initiator every time down the floor.
0: Yeah, what we saw when Tyler Hero needed to be more of the kind of initiator for them is Tyler Hero for the first time in the bubble, and honestly, for one of the only times this season looked like a deer in the headlight. He looked like what a rookie is kind of supposed to look like in these situations. He was making rookie type mistakes, especially rookie ball handler mistakes. And, and yeah, he, he was just all around awful. On the defensive end, you remember all the jokes going into the Boston series in the East Finals about whether the Celtics could play those guys off the floor, right? Like Hero, Robinson, and even Dragic. And it never really ended up being the case. In that East Finals, the guy who was ended like targeted more than anyone else ended up being Kemba Walker on Boston's side. But in this series, it's like you're not even a full game into it and you're already seeing All the concerns we thought we had about Miami last series were like Robinson a little bit too. Drawgift was hurt, but Hero especially was just getting targeted and picked apart on the defensive end and wasn't giving them anything on the offensive end. That's how you end up in a situation where the guy was a minus 35 in 30 minutes. And at one point, I believe was a minus 33 through 19 minutes.
1: Unbelievable. Yeah, not ideal. (laughs) Not (laughs) ideal. No.
0: What's up, Pound the Rock listeners? Just a friendly reminder to rate, review, and subscribe to Pound the Rock on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts. You can also check out the score's other sports podcasts. For Major League Baseball, there's Expand the Zone. For soccer, we've got Sweeper Keeper. Puck Pursuit has you covered for the NHL. And the Fantasy Football Podcast with Justin Boone covers, you guessed it, fantasy football. And in case you haven't already, download the score app, available on iPhone and Android. That's where you can find all of our feature content, as well as live scores, updates, and breaking news. Now back to the show.
1: Do you have anything else to say about this game one? Like, it's just Uh, pretty pretty much one-way traffic, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess the one thing we didn't do when we were talking about AD, I talked about his plus-minus, but his actual line, 34 points, 9 rebounds, 3 of them offensive rebounds, 5 assists,
1: and 3 blocks. The guy is good. I am. I feel confident in saying that he's he's a good basketball player. He's not bad. Let's just think about it in these terms. Dragic is out. Let's say for the next two games, okay. And Butler's fine. Bam is fine. I mean, Bam. It's his left shoulder, and like you know, a shoulder injury, is a shoulder injury. Like shoulders are kind of important in basketball, yeah. but it isn't his dominant shoulder. Right. So.
0: He might need a needle though. And as we learned late in the game, Bam has played through pain at other points in the season in his career and usually doesn't get any kind of like uh, cortisone injections or painkiller stuff because he's scared of needles. And I mean, it's the... uh, Jeez. uh, Honestly, for his sake, because of the criticism, that will come his way if he ends up not being able to play because he can't take a needle like i i just hope it works itself out you know if he can't play he can't play but i really hope it doesn't end up like two games from now here you know maybe if they could have given him a pain injection he might have been able to play but he doesn't like needles like i don't know i just hope it's like he can either play or he can't play and that's it someone
1: get that guy an emla patch <laughs> <laughs> nice <laughs> you ever had one of those oh man fantastic stuff you just look the other way and it's like nothing's happening
0: they need to give him the uh the famous soccer spray that even when I was a youth soccer player, coaches always had because they were made popular by watching European soccer, like professional soccer when a guy a guy looks like he just tore his quad based on the writhing he's doing on the floor. And then they come up with this like little freezing spray that from my experience, does not freeze anything. It's like a little cool for maybe 15 seconds and miraculously they pop back up. So I don't know. Maybe the, if there's an NBA equivalent of that, we can get some from BAM.
1: I mean, is that just for soccer players to save face so it doesn't seem like they were just blatantly flopping and writhing for no, no real reason? Potentially. Okay, so Bam gets the EMLA patch, gets the cortisone injection. He's fine. Jimmy's fine. Dragic is out. What are the next couple games look like? And how does Miami turn this thing around?
0: I think without Dragic, but with Jimmy and Bam fine, the Heat have a puncher's chance, a fighter's chance. I think they will be more competitive for sure. It's hard not to be. I still don't think they win. I don't know. Maybe they win one of those two games, but I don't know, man. Like, again, you take Drogic out of the picture. Like We just talked about it. Like, you got to rely a little more on Tyler Hero. And I don't know, you know, to, to Hero's credit, based on everything we've seen of him so far in his rookie season, he probably will bounce back, but he's not going to bounce back enough to, re- I, I don't think, turn this series... if. Drogic isn't in the lineup and maybe it ends up being a blessing in disguise of like Jimmy Butler is the guy he was in the first quarter tonight when he was really aggressive. And, you know, you were even texting me about how Jimmy Butler might just be the best player in the series. But I don't know, man, like if you want my honest answer, I think, I think if Drogic is out, even with Bam and Jimmy, I, I just think you're looking at more competitive losses, but still losses. And then at that point you mentioned if Drogic is out two games, then it's three, nothing, you know, maybe the heat find a way to win a game just because they are that kind of grimy against all odds team, but that'll be it.
1: Yeah, I guess it's worth noting, and it wasn't garbage time, but Kendrick Nunn looked pretty good when he played. I mean, yeah. 20 minutes, he was 8 of 11 from the field for 18 points and was a plus 8. So if he can carry that over, then maybe that helps mitigate the loss. Yeah, never uh, a good sign
0: think... when you have to talk about hopefully a guy can carry what he did in garbage time over. But
1: Yeah, and also that garbage time being 20 minutes. <laughs> yeah, yeah but they're going to need him. He suddenly becomes an actually like a pretty important player for them, I think, uh, because they need that guard depth. Now, I do think hero will be better, but they do kind of have the same problem where, okay, like LeBron is going to go mismatch hunting and they got to do a better job of protecting those guys from those mismatches. So there, there are any number of different ways that they can do that, I think. and And all of them bring potential drawbacks is the thing. Like, Going under screens against LeBron does allow him to get comfortable stepping into pull-up jumpers, and on the right day, he can absolutely shred you with those. Blitzing him allows him to pick you apart with his passing, and it's not like, you know, like the Lakers don't have like a short-roll playmaker necessarily that you're really that worried about dicing you up, but like if it's Anthony Davis catching the ball with a man advantage, then that ain't great. There are no easy answers, but I do think they got to do a better job than they did of protecting their weaker defenders and, and playing zone is one way to do that for sure. Uh, Maybe they just came into the series, not feeling like that was going to be a successful look against this Lakers team because of the Lakers personnel. And in a way that would be fair, but it is just kind of a good way to hide your weaker defenders. And so maybe we see more of that,
0: one of those weaker defenders that ended up getting some burn because of the injuries was Kelly Olenek, who we talked about in our preview podcast, was out of the rotation by the end of the East Finals. We talked about whether the, the heat would stay small with Bam off the court with one of Hill or Crowder or Iggy at the five, or whether they would go back to Olynyk in this matchup, even though LeBron has picked him apart and targeted him and hunted him in pick and roll situations in the past. Olynyk ends up being forced into action because Bam is out. Like, I don't know, maybe that's an interesting question for a game too. You know, does Olynyk have a bigger role? If he does, do the Heat zone up more when he's on the floor because they need to hide him? Can he give them enough on offense and maybe spread the floor enough to like provide some sort of positive value even if he does need to be hidden on the defensive end? I don't know. I, look, we are grasping at straws here, but unfortunately, like that's the situation the Heat are in. You know, Eric Spolster is going to have to be grasping at straws after the catastrophic game one they just had so they need a little bit of a minor miracle right and sometimes you need that you need like maybe an Olympic comes in and hits like six threes next game and like honestly like th-
1: those are the kinds of like well, being able to stretch out the lakers defense would be a big help huge. honestly yeah. because yeah like you you kind of mentioned it off the top but this game really was an illumination of the issues that i've been waiting to see actually crop up with this heat team for this entire postseason. It's like their weaker defenders got exposed and picked on relentlessly. They had to keep playing those guys because they needed them at the offensive end. They were constantly playing multiple non-shooters at once and the Lakers were able to take advantage of that. All these things finally got exposed and the Heat have done a really good job of scheming around those things. And I think I, given everything I've seen them do throughout the bubble, I still have faith that they can find a way to scheme around them to a certain extent. But Without all their guys healthy and just with as well as this Lakers team is playing with as well as Anthony Davis is playing right now and just with how effective he was at shutting down all their actions, all the stuff they tried to run off of Bam just went nowhere because of Anthony Davis. And that might just be a problem, you know, without a solution.
0: Yeah. And I'll tell you why I don't have faith in them being able to overcome those things that they've overcome throughout the season, throughout the playoffs, but things that you thought would do them in at some point. And that's because they're playing a LeBron James led team. And if you you remember both in our preview and in our preview podcast, one of the things I talked about was how, even though I could find all these like little advantages Miami might have in this series, it boiled down to the fact that I don't think they're good enough to beat LeBron James 4-7 to in the playoff series. And also that I don't think LeBron will allow his opponents, and in this case Miami, to get away with what other teams have maybe, not maybe allowed them to get away with, but just haven't been good enough to expose. And LeBron James in playoff gear in finals mode is going to expose those things and is not going to allow his teammates to not join the party. You know, perfect example... Two minutes and change left in game one. Lakers up 17. It's a six possession game with less than three minutes left. Technically, it was a 19 point lead. And then this layup happens to make it 17. And I think it was Anthony Davis and someone else messed up the switch. And I don't remember who it was. And LeBron is under the basket and catches the made basket and is about to step out to inbound the ball. And ABC needs to mute the mics for a few seconds because LeBron lambasts AD and the other guy, I can't remember who it was, and clearly swears at them. And And then the KCP,
1: if I remember right.
0: And then the mic comes back in just as he's saying, it was a switch or it was supposed to be a switch. Anyway... Very minute detail from a game that was, you know, already over by that point, but a good to me indication of LeBron in this, like, like they're, I'm not going to let anyone mess this up for me, you know? And yeah, like we might be up six possessions in the final three minutes, but like, I will not allow you to even come close to screwing this up. Like we're beating this team. We're going to stomp them. We're going to expose every weakness they have. We are not going to lose even these garbage time minutes. It just, LeBron, like,
1: LeBron definitely knows what. Mike, like what Michael Jordan's best ever finals point differential was (laughs) you know you know for sure he's keeping track of that shit like
0: for real like it it was just one of those moments where it's like it's a little throwaway thing yeah like a lot of players hold you know a lot of stars hold their teammates accountable it's not that big a deal but it really did speak to me of like man like that right there is lebron is not going to let this slip away he was to me he wasn't going to let this slip away even if all things were equal but he's especially not going to let this even come close to slipping away given what transpired in game one
1: he was seriously stat padding toward the end of the game too. Good
0: for him. <laughs> he was trying to get that 10th assist to get the triple double, and he couldn't get it.
1: It is kind of nuts that he he wound up playing 36 minutes in this game and AD played 38. Like in a game that was basically midway through the third quarter. I mean, the game is not over, but like this game was a blowout from midway through the third quarter onwards. And it's a little surprising to see those ultra high minutes mm-hmm. totals for those guys in a game like this. and. At the other end of the spectrum, I know obviously most of it had to do with his injury, but Bam winds up only playing 21 minutes. They were a disaster when he was on the bench. And another case of a guy being sat with, you know, quote unquote foul trouble when it just wasn't necessary to do so. And I kind of thought that Spolstro was above that. Toward the end of the first half, there's two minutes left in the second quarter. And the Lakers had already bumped their lead up to, I think, 11. It was double digits. Yeah, I know where you're going. And Bam had two fouls on him. And Spolstra pulled him for the last two minutes. And the Lakers go on a 6 nothing run. And they're up 17 going into the second half. That's a huge swing. And that's two minutes that like you can't really afford to just punt. If Bam is good to go and you know you feel comfortable or confident that he's not going to worsen his injury by playing through it then I think he's just got to play more minutes obviously it's on him to not get fouls on him but I think Spolster has to trust him to play through those fouls as well should it happen and I just think there's a bunch of stuff that the heat can clean up in ways that they can be smarter I mean Hero at one point like had a really hard close out on Alice Caruso who's shooting like, I don't know, 26, 27% from three in the playoffs. And he just strode in for a layup. And there was a lot of stuff like that, where just kind of uncharacteristic mistakes, like the Heat beating themselves in a way that they haven't done at any point in this postseason run. Part of that was like the Lakers making them beat themselves, like tying them in knots a bit, but they can clean up a lot of stuff.
0: Yeah, Duncan Robinson had one. I think it was in the first quarter when when the Heat had got off to that great start and then Duncan Robinson bites on a K... I don't even want to call it a pump fake. Like KCP caught the ball off a rondo pass in the corner and wasn't even prepared for the pass. So Robinson was in good shape just being where he was because KCP was not prepared to shoot. And Duncan Robinson jumps like leaves his feet before KCP's even done anything. And then you can you can see it happening in real time. Like KCP almost looks at Duncan Robinson in midair and thinks, oh, I'm going to go up for a three point shot now because I'm just going to grab, get the foul. And he got the three shots. I think he only made two of them. But again, to your point, just little out of character things, you know, not that Duncan Robinson's is a good defender, but if there's one thing that he'd have been able to do, even they're not great defenders, it's at least play smart. And that was a good example of even at the beginning of the game, before the injuries, when the Heat had a decent lead, they weren't sharp. They weren't that sharp, well-executing Heat
1: team that we've seen throughout these playoffs and in the bubble in general. And speaking of Duncan Robinson, he played 27 minutes in this game and only got three shots up. Duncan Robinson's not a terrible defender. Like he's not nearly as bad as Hero. He can survive, at least in some situations. But for him to play 27 minutes and only get three shots up and he missed them all that he's still providing an impact because of the gravity that he offers. So I'm not just going to say like he needs to sit if he's not scoring because just him being on the floor and, you know, moving without the ball the way that he does has a lot of positive value, but they got to find a way to get him going. And, and a lot of that, again, it just comes back to AD because AD, you know, when he's coming off of these handoffs that he's so used to, just these sort of like quick trigger threes being able to get them off when Anthony Davis you know and his nine foot long arms are jumping out at you it makes it a little bit more difficult and the heat in general I thought you know apart from just the way that Davis affected the shots that actually went up he just spooked the heat out of actually taking some shots I think that they are used to getting in the flow of their offense
0: as a team man like the Lakers We've seen it all year where, you know, e- even me, who picked them to win the title, and as you know, came in pretty optimistic about this team and even their defensive potential because of what I saw on the roster, didn't think they could be this good defensively or as good as they were throughout the season defensively. But like they just made it work all season, and they've done the same throughout the playoffs, and they did the same in this game where like you. Look at the roster and obviously you see LeBron and AD and you think, okay, yeah, like they can cobble together a good defense here, but then you actually see the the whole team make it work and, and it's like mind blowing how elite this defense is. And maybe Frank Vogel doesn't get enough credit. I mean, the guy's been an elite defensive coach basically his whole career and has done it again with this team. But yeah, man, like they rarely miss a beat. On the defensive end, except maybe the first half of game one against Denver. But, like, for the most part, this defense has just been locked in all year. They remain locked in. And I don't know, man. I don't, I struggle to see the Heat beating them coming into the series. I had Lakers in six, and now, now I'm just trying to talk myself into Miami winning one game and making it a gentleman's sweep. So, we don't really know the status of these guys. Like, say with Drogic, all we know is he's going to miss at least one game, and we know nothing else. And with Bam and Jimmy, we don't know other than maybe they'll be a little banged up. You had Lakers in seven. Just based on what now, like that, you don't know the answers. You can only go by what you saw.
1: Does Miami Uh, win a game? Yes. Whether it's, you know, the Lakers just cooling off from three or maybe taking their foot off the gas a little bit or the Heat just coming up with some answers because that's what they do and because Spolstra is a really excellent coach and because I know that this team can execute way better than it did in this game. Obviously, you know, again, it's like, it's so dependent on the injuries. So who knows? And if Bam isn't Bam, then yeah, it's hopeless and they might not win a game. But if Bam can be Bam and Jimmy can be Jimmy, then yeah, absolutely. I give him a game for sure.
0: Gotta get Bam some of that uh, magic soccer spray, which by the way, I googled at one point while you were talking (laughs) and uh, made of butane, pentane and menthol. So that sounds not great. I just (laughs) honestly, maybe take the needle, Bam, because... Unless Mueller coolant spray is a future Pound the Rock sponsor, I'm uh, not a big fan of what I'm reading here. A <laughs> little concerned that I once used to spray this on my body. And What, th- w-
1: what was the thing that Ray Lewis got popped for? Wasn't it like antler spray? Wasn't it spray? murder? <laughs> oh. <laughs> no, he didn't get popped for yeah, the murder. Right.
0: Okay. Yeah, I believe it was deer
1: antler spray. <laughs> um. All right. I think... Uh... <laughs>
0: I think? Think a, can we, I think that's can think?
1: We, can we cut it off there?
0: I think that is a good indication of where this game went tonight. But anyway, we were here to talk about it. I think we'll be back. Uh, you'll probably be able to find the next episode Monday morning after game three. Here's hoping it's a 2-1 series at that point and competitive. And, and we're not talking about the series being one game away from being over. But until then, for Joe Wolf I'm Joseph Cacharo, Pound the Rock.